What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. We talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Joe Mahabutibani, who's the co-founder of Mythic Market. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on and learn more about your company. For people that haven't heard of Mythic Markets, can you kind of share what you're working on? Yeah. So in a nutshell, Mythic Markets turns high value collectible assets like vintage comic books, collectible cards, fantasy art, and, and fantasy art and that sort of thing into publicly traded companies so that anybody can invest in the things that they love. So, uh, you know, these are actual securities um, and, and they're real stocks. And, you know, uh, uh, and so you, you, you invest in them in the same way. So we are opening a trading marketplace uh, for, for that to happen, uh, hopefully by end of year. So can you kind of walk through, um, you know, when, when this is open by end of year, how is someone like how it will work? Um, you know, what's the user experience? What's possible? What's not? Just tell a little more of an idea of what someone can like expect if they were to kind of browse, browse the product and check it out. For sure. So if you're familiar with uh, trading platforms like Robinhood, for instance, um, and in, and currently invest in things like Apple stock or, you know, whatever you happen to be into, it's very similar to that. Um, you know, at least, uh, uh, you know, you, you can uh, buy and sell shares. Uh, you can, um, you know, browse the various uh, information of each company. Um, and each of these is each of these comic books and whatever are, um, their, their own company. And so you can learn all about them and go deep and get analysis of, uh, uh, previous performance and, um, news on those assets. And, um, yeah, I mean, generally the people that are investing in this stuff, you know, have a, uh, a history with them or at least have some familiarity, familiarity with them. So like, a the first episode of, uh, sorry, first comic book uh, uh, issue of, of Spider-Man, Amazing Fantasy 15, is something that, you know, billions of people worldwide are at least familiar with Spider-Man and, you know, may be interested in um, investing in the first comic book that featured him. And, well, actually, before that question, I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask this. Why, why did you want to start this? This is super fascinating. This space... It's kind of like an alternative assets. I think that that space, I mean, super interesting to me. I'd love to hear from you. Like, why did you decide to, to kind of break into that? And um, what's the origin story for Mythic Markets? Sure. Uh, I, uh, previous to starting Mythic Markets, I spent the last three and a half years in venture capital, uh, investing primarily in, uh, in, in like seed stage startups. Uh, and then left that to start Mythic. Um, you know, my background specifically uh, outside of sort of that finance and venture space is in, um, in collecting a collectible card game called Magic the Gathering. 
Um, and uh, that's played by some 40 million people worldwide today. Uh, but uh, it all got started back in 1993. Uh, I actually started in 94 and had uh, amassed a, fair, a fairly um, you know, valuable collection up until that point. Uh, but in 2002, uh, you know, my, my, I used to carry my cards around in my car, you know, whenever I go to a coffee shop and hung out with friends, uh, and, you know, really want to just bust them out and, and, and have a pickup game essentially. And so I'd kept my cards in the car and it had been stolen and, um, and I lost my collection and, and my deck and all this other stuff uh, with it. And so, you know, today those cards would be, uh, valued at about a million dollars. And, um, and, and, you know, at the time they were worth about 5,000 and insurance took care of it and stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have sold them and I wish I still had them, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, these cards have been, even today are traded like unregistered securities, like, like stocks, because you get, you know, they're trading cards. The word trading is right in the name. Um, you know, people will trade, you know, two $5 cards for a $10 card, or I'll trade, this this um, this valuable card for you know cash or it's worth this much money, and so you know people who who play this game are already kind of familiar with the finance portion of of the game, and so you know I wanted to kind of marry the the financial portion financial portion of this with you know the investing experience, um, but also do it at a level that is accessible to anybody. So for instance, there's you know probably hundreds of millions of dollars of cards that are trading hands. Uh, on a daily basis, but you know, at the like one to $1,000 level, but there are cards that are, you know, part of the fandom that uh, are worth, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or more. And so, you know, those are cards that have been appreciating better than the market and gold and real estate and so forth uh, over, over the past 10, 20 years. But it's not an asset class that most people have access to. Most people don't have $100,000 for one card, for instance. And so, you know, uh, the Black Lotus, for instance, uh, is a card that, you know, we offered um, last year and, you know, it, it, we took it public at $90,000. Uh, that's a card that's been appreciating about 28% year on year compounding. And, you know, those kinds of, um, that kind of performance outs uh, and outsized returns isn't something that, you know, most people can get in many other asset classes. And so, you know, this collectibles asset class is one that is um, really exciting uh, that uh, a lot of people are intimately familiar with and uh, but are locked out of. And so we exist to democratize investment access to, um, you know, collectibles like magic cards, comic books, the original art for some of this stuff. Um, and uh, we're expanding into new verticals as well. So once I have a couple of questions on a more general basis and out of pure curiosity on this alternative asset world and it, you mentioned something in there and I'm going to like forget exactly what you said. So correct me if I misphrase it, but you said like before what you're doing existed, people were trading these like, like not like securities, but without being securities. Um, and there was almost this like market that was being formed. Do you, um, can you kind of share with me, how does like even the economic, like how does this market even start and how do the cards, and this is like, this is pure, I'm just curious. I, I'm fascinated by this. What gives the cards so much value? And uh, I obviously know what, what makes them go up and down, demand supply, but like what, where's that value come from in the first place if there's not a market to start? You know what I mean? 
So Wizards of the Coast are the makers of, let's say, Magic the Gathering in this case. Um, and I'm, you know, so, so I'll stick with Magic. And, um, and they release new sets like two or three times a year. And, you know, they have a, uh, you know, a very competitive, um, um, you know, not esports, but like a, a competitive scene where people play for money and prizes and things like that. And, you know, in and of itself, the game is, is competitive. You are constantly getting new cards to make new decks out of. And you can only use the cards in certain formats uh, over the past, like that have been released over the past two years. And so those cards become very popular because they work in, um, you build a deck around these cards and you're always looking for like, you know, some new mechanic that works really well in your deck. Um, you know, and, and, you know, some of these cards have different rarities. Some of them are like common and uncommon and rare or, or, you know, at the high level mythic rare. And so they're very, they're, they're, they're hard to come by. Um, and then that sort of drives their value. So rarity drives value, their, um, their utility drives value and you know if you figure that like you can you know use up to like four copies of a card in a deck and you know millions of people want that card suddenly that card becomes very much in demand so um you will see themes like this at tournaments where a lot of people will play the same decks and um uh you know certain themes arise and and that all kind of contributes to it and then i have one more question on this realm um just again out of curiosity because i'm actually very interested in what's going on in in, in alternative assets, but also like trading cards and like gate to these cards. Do you know? And it, do, so it sounds like these cards obviously are functional, right? You 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 use them to play yep. and win. Um, but there's also a huge market around like sports cards where like I it, I might be missing something. I'm sure I am, but like I don't know if there's like sport card games. Um, maybe there is, but like why would a non-functional card also have a very healthy market around and I, and I guess there's that. Then we can dive deeper into like your, your day to day, but I just want to really understand and get the audience to understand how this world works. Yeah. So whereas like magic, for instance, is really tied to their utility um, and gameplay and uh, rarity and things like that. Uh, sports cards uh, on the other hand are really tied to the person that they depict on the card. So, um, you know, you might have like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan or a Steph Curry or something. And, um, you know, certain variants of these cards are very, very rare. Um, you know, they'll also be graded as well. So they'll have like a certain quality uh, uh, number kind of attributed to them. So like anywhere between, you know, one in 10. And then there's like subgrades and stuff as well in terms of determining the quality of the card. And that's like, you know, uh, the, the the quality of the surface and the edges and the corners and um, the centering and things like that. And so, um, you know, the, the value of those cards is partially rarity, but also like if you've got this, this token of um, it's almost like a, like a memorial almost like in, in the present where you can, you know, have this thing that if they do really well in their careers and they become legendary, like they, like they become the goat, like, um, uh, Michael Jordan or or LeBron or whoever, uh, there is, you know, these these people become part of our pop culture and uh, and the demand for things that are associated with those heroes essentially uh, are 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 considered valuable and so um, yeah I mean that that's the that would I would say is the biggest thing that drives the value of those. And by the way, to the tune of like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. 
that see that I think I'll, I have some stuff to uh, questions I'll ask offline because like this is I, I wanted to understand the market great and understand it and then I have other questions which I'll talk to you about later so for you specifically um this is very unique for this podcast I and this is you know which is fantastic meaning like this is fresh this type of market what do you, I have to ask what do you spend your time on um during on an average day are you um you know you know, getting evangelizing it. Are you getting investors? Are you trying to get people to 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 buy into the market? What's your day to day like? Are your day to day life like? Sure. Uh, when I roll out of bed and you know walk a few feet to my office, um, uh, you know, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, my bed is literally three feet behind me right now. <laughs> I, I think that's the reality for a lot of people these days. Um, but you know, so we're not going to the office anymore. Uh, shut those down as a result of uh, COVID. But, um, you know, the team works from home. You know, we, we have like a daily stand-up with the team, um, you know, kind of identify what we're working on. Uh, you know, in terms of what we're working on, it's like, you know, could be product related. So, you know, with the product and engineering team, um, you know, on the operational side of the house, we're always dealing with, you know, um, working with various partners, uh, you know, to enable us to do what we do because we do work in a regulated industry. And so we have to, um, you know, communicate a fair bit with like the SEC and FINRA uh, and we have, you know, all these other partners, uh, legal partners and, and regulatory partners, broker dealers, et cetera. And so there's a lot of communication there, always, um, looking at, uh, opportunities to partner with, um, uh, you know, uh, growth related partners. So, um, you know, growing the business and getting the word out there and, um, onboarding new investors and that sort of thing. Um, and, and, you know, we also spent some time acquiring new assets for the platform. So. Uh, there's a lot of uh, things going on and, and occasional like uh, uh, talking to investors and things like that too. On the, uh, I'm curious about the FINRA and you might, you might've mentioned SEC, but like that, that, that realm. Yeah. Um, how is it like very heavily regulated? Like are you regulated just like Robin Hood is and how have you learned how to navigate that? I'm sure that has been, you know, interesting. Yeah, because this is kind of a new and weird thing, not just for your average investor, but also for you know regulators. I would say that we're actually more heavily regulated uh, than like a Robin Hood, um, just because you know this is a novel um, you know usage of uh, Regulation A plus of the Jobs Act, uh, and you know alternative assets like like the stock market as we know it is is pretty well understood, and um, you know while there is definitely yeah, a ton of regulation because there's a lot of money moving through it. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, checks and balances and, and you, know, uh, you know, consciousness about fees and, and things like that. Um, and, and by the way, like a lot of money is made and lost every day. And so, um, and, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with like Wall Street bets uh, on Reddit, but, you know, people are posting on there all the time how they invested $40 and, you know, made off with like $2 million or something like in a day. Um, that's an exaggeration, but, but, you know, the opposite happens as well, where it's like, oh, I invested a million dollars and I lost it all. And now I owe money. And so, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff happens. But I mean, in our case, because we're sort of a novel implementation of um, this, this new, uh, uh, you know, investing modality, uh, you know, the, the regulators are still trying to wrap their heads around like, you know, protecting investors, how are we doing this in a way that, um, you know, isn't uh, predatory and, and just staying like as legit as possible. I mean, like we have to be 100% legit because 
you know, that's who is keeping us honest. And as you look out, um, go outside from the day to day and just look out big, big vision um, for this, you know, for the next five, 10, 15 years, what does that look like? Or I guess in other words, what's the big vision and what direction are you rowing in every day? Yeah. So, you know, we are continuing to, you know, build out our marketplace. Um, I think we will be expanding our, um, you know, offerings that we're taking public. Uh, we envision a number of uh, interesting initiatives, some that, you know, I, I can't mention, but others like, you know, we're, we're you know, talking to a number of um, esports teams in order to uh, take them public so that your average uh, fans uh, can invest in their favorite teams and in their favorite players. And so um, that's something that we're really excited about. Uh, on the financial side, there's a ton of different uh, products that we can, you know, uh, that we can build to, uh, complement what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things and collaborations and things that we can do. And to kind of make it happen and bring the vision to life, you obviously need some help, right? We all, it all takes a village every time. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you? Are you hiring? Are you fundraising, looking for users, partners? How can the community assist? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. Um, but I think like, you know, I, uh, the, the, you know, best way to support us is to check out Mythic Markets. Um, you know, if you want to learn more about investing in alternative assets and fractional ownership, uh, you know, we've got, uh, right now we've got, uh, I'm not quite sure when this is going to air, but we've got Fantastic Four number one, which is uh, live now. Uh, we've got a number of other um, assets that are launching soon that are, you know, related to original art from, uh, in this case, Magic the Gathering. Uh, and so that's really exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of cool things coming. So, uh, I would just definitely encourage people to check out, uh, you know, the, the company and, um, uh, register and, uh, we'd love to answer any questions you guys have. And then for a final run rundown, if someone wanted to check it out, try it out, how can they find you online? Are you on social media? Can they email you? How can people get in touch? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're at mythicmarkets.com. Um, you can in, uh, contact our team at uh, team at mythicmarkets.com. Um, and I'm just Joe at Mythic Markets. But uh, uh, yeah, we are, we are all uh, ready to answer any questions that anybody has. And um, yeah, uh, we'd love to know what people want to see on the platform. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for kind of building in this industry. I think there's a lot of fun stuff that can happen here. I wish you the best of luck making it happen. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it.